Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? How's it going? How are you holding up in these times of terror and weirdness? What is going on with you? Are you making it through? Are you? Through to what? What's the big payoff? I don't know, man. Might not be good. Maybe. Maybe today will be all right. I hope today is okay. So look, here's what's going on today. On the show, John Mellencamp. Yeah, I heard he wanted to, to come on. Doesn't usually do this. And I'm like, John Mellencamp, sure. I saw John Mellencamp open for Richie Blackmore's Rainbow in Denver, Colorado. And we were there to see Rainbow. No one knew who John Mellencamp was. He was John Cougar then. And I went to see the show because my buddy Dave Bishop, R.I.P., uh, was a big rainbow guy. And we drove all the way up to Denver from Albuquerque with no tickets. And uh, Dave just walked up to a couple in line and offered them $50 or $100 for their tickets, which was big money back then. They were like, sure. And uh, so we went and I saw John Cougar open for Rainbow, which I didn't care about Rainbow, but I was very taken with John Cougar to the point where I went out and bought that first record, the John Cougar record. I think it was his third record. Like the guy. Now, of course, I don't know every record he's done. He's one of these guys who's done like 25 records. But uh, but he came over and, uh, you know, he was actually early, which I guess was surprising for his road manager, whoever was uh, handling him. And he's, you know, we went through the house, went out back. He's like, where's the smoking section? I'm like, right here, man. Let me get you an ashtray. So I sat there and we talked a bit uh, while he smoked. Still at it with the cigarettes. And... um I, I had to tell him to shut up because we, you know, we had to get on the mics. But it was, uh, he's a character. That I can say, a character. Big hit maker, Jack and Diane, Hurts So Good, Pink Houses, Small Town. He's John Mellencamp. He's John Cougar. He's Johnny Cougar. He's a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Founder of Farm Aid. Has sold over 60 million albums worldwide. And he's here with this new record called Strictly a One-Eyed Jack which has a uh, little duet on there with Bruce Springsteen called Wasted Days. It's one of these, not lo-fi, but low-key, deep groove, you know, old guy who's seen some shit type of records. You know, like you hear, you hear from Waits or Willie or older Dylan. But, you know, it's clearly Cougar. I mean, Mellencamp. Fuck. Don't tell him I said that. In other news, 
Um, I'm sick. So what happens? So Sunday I'm fine. Monday I don't feel great. So I took a COVID test in the morning. No COVID. And as the day progressed, not feeling great, low energy, felt like I was getting something. And then the next day I wake up, you know, I went to bed early. I went to bed early because I'm like, am I going to get this fucking cold again? Is that going to happen? The cold I just had? So I went to bed early. I woke up, didn't feel great. Took another COVID test. Positive. Wow. To see those two bars after two years of not wanting to see two bars, after two years of once every two weeks going to Dodger Stadium with complete panic, the evolution from two years ago of just terror to uh, dealing to, I don't know, are we okay yet, to vaccines, to see those two lines. It was like there was a moment of, oh man, I blew it. I was doing so good. I was winning the competition. But uh, yeah, I got COVID. And um, I'm okay. I'm three days in. I'm recording this on Wednesday, I would say. And um, I feel like at first it was weird. It was like I was, you know, I was tired. And then I kept feeling like I had something in my nose, like my nose was irritated and I was sneezy. And I woke up the next day, I had a little tightness in the chest, sneezy. I was very congested at night. But I never fully got so congested I couldn't smell. I never lost my taste. Uh, I pulled out the old oximeter and the thermometer just to be ready to check if things got bad. But it's kind of remained steady. Uh, I feel a little better today. I don't know. I'm quarantined. I've called everybody I was in contact with uh, that I know, the immediate contact with. I've let them know. I don't know if I called them, but I've let them know. I don't know where I got it. I'm not sure that matters. I can make assumptions. But the truth is, is that I got vaccinated and I got boosted and I decided to live my life and as safely as I could. That included working. That included being around other people. That included working in a place that required Vax ID. But after a certain point with Omicron, obviously... That's just a crapshoot. So this is where I'm at. It doesn't feel, I feel like I'm going to be okay. I don't know. But it feels like I'm fighting something more than I have something, which I guess is probably true because of the booster, because of the vax, the special sauce, as uh, Brendan calls it. But uh, but I'm doing okay. I can report that uh, with the COVID. Yes, I got COVID. Finally, finally got COVID. The weird thing about having the COVID outside of feeling, it, it's loaded in some way. There, there's a little bit of shame to it that I'm trying to identify. There's a little bit of terror, which is understandable given what we've all gone through. Uh, there's a little bit of uh, a failure feeling. The odd thing is yesterday, or day before yesterday, when, when the COVID came on, my ear got better. I don't know what that's about. I got to figure that out. I got to figure out my ear issue if I, if I get through this COVID. I feel like I might get through the COVID. I'm pretty sure I will. Knock on wood. Or or wood veneer in this case. But but that's still wood, right? It's still wood. Do I have to go look for something wooden? Okay, I got it. My chair. I knocked on the wood. But I'm drinking a lot of fluids. I'm paying attention to how I feel. I've got my thermometer. I've got my oximeter. A um, lot of water. A lot of sleep. Taking it easy. I guess here in L.A. Uh, at five days, I will uh, see how I feel and test myself. And I guess once I test negative, I can uh, get on with my life. But for the time being, I'm going to be doing some work here at home and just uh, 
recovering. I have COVID. Oh my God, just saying it. Mm. Yeah, it happened. It happened. But I'm okay today. I will keep you in the loop, folks. Okay? Been listening to a lot of records and doing some research and doing some writing and doing some watching of the TV. I, you know, my life doesn't change much other than I can't go to the store. It was so weird because I, just, I know I can't go anywhere. But I had this dream last night that I knew I had COVID and I went out to a, an art opening and I was walking around and it was almost like, oh my God, I just, like I have COVID, what am I doing here? And then there was part of me that was sort of like, well, there was a couple people there I wanted to have COVID. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that's about. And I don't know who those people were. But uh, it was a dream. It was a dream. And I'm owning it. I, can't, I cannot answer for what my unconscious does. I'll work on it. I'll figure out what was going on there. Also, Moon Tower Comedy Festival just announced. And I am I'm going to be there in Austin. I'm going to Austin to do this show. I guess how, that's how we worked it out. I think I'm still allowed in Austin. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's the 22nd of April, but go check it out. It's, I think it's, uh, I, it should be on my site by now. I'll make sure it is, but I will be at Moon Tower in April in Austin. All right? That's the news. Um, I have COVID. I have COVID. So look, John Mellencamp is here was here. This is him. Going to talk to him. You're going to hear it in a second. The new record is Strictly a One-Eyed Jack. That comes out tomorrow. You can get it wherever you get music. It was fun talking to him. He's, he's, uh, I think he's kind of a a one-of-a-kind guy. This is me talking to John Mellencamp. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. I've been playing guitar a long time, but I never, never really was in a band. I always loved doing it, and uh, but I never made it my dream. So I, I still, in, you know, I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. A, none of these are haunted with failure of any kind. <laughs> And I try to get as many of them as I can for free. That's my my thing. Your goal. Yeah. And uh, I play with guys now. I just started uh, doing it because I figure, yeah, I'm going to die at some point. And it's a thing. I never really did. And I, I've been playing with, um, you know, Jimmy Vivino, mm-hmm. the guy who plays with uh, Conan's band. He's a studio guy. He's been around a long time. But he's, he's been sitting in with me and he's been showing me licks forever. And it's fun. But again, you know, it's it's not, I don't know how you guys do it. I really don't know how you do it. 
What? Get like I can get in front of people and do comedy. I can get in front of people and play, but to do the energy that it would take every night to play for thousands of people, I don't know how you do it. Well, I, I tell you, as far as I'm concerned, they don't pay me for going on stage. No, they pay me for leaving home. <laughs> right. So it's just a a that's just a pleasure for you, just an added thing. Well, something. Since yeah. I was I was in my first band when I was twelve. Twelve. I was 12 years old playing in a bar. What band? A band called The Crepe Soul, and I was 12, and the other singer was 17, and everybody else was 21. The Crepe Soul. <laughs> Wait. 19, I think it was like 1965, 66. So that makes sense, that name, The Crepe Soul? <laughs> uh, we were a soul band, yeah. Oh, you were, okay, okay. Yeah, we were a soul band. Yeah. It was a black kid and me yeah. with the lead singers. I was kind of like the little monkey, you know, uh -huh. 12 years old. Yeah. You know. So that's right. So that's really sort of where you started, like with that kind of uh, Detroit soul thing, huh? Yeah, we did Sam and Dave and, oh, yeah. you know, Bob yeah, yeah. and James. Hold on, I'm coming. Yeah, but yeah. Bobby and James Purified yeah. and right. that kind of stuff. Well, I guess that stuff, like, I don't know, because I, uh, I always identify people who come from around that area with, like, uh, some sort of Mitch Ryder trip. I produced Mitch Ryder. You did? Yeah, I, did. I made a record for Mitch Ryder back in, like, 1984. How was that experience? I produced Miss Ryder. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, huh? Yeah, that was it. How old was that guy when you produced Miss Ryder? <laughs> he was pretty, still pretty young. Yeah, you know, he wasn't like an old guy. Well, I mean, you say it like uh, you chose to do it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the record deal for him and yeah. the whole bit. You know, he didn't uh, have a record deal, right? Uh, but. Um, well, let's just leave it. I produced Mitch Ryder. <laughs> What's the name of the record so I can go get it? Never Kick a Sleeping Dog. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So after Crepe Soul, because it's, it's weird. I don't know. You're not going to remember this, but this it was a crazy story, really. It must have been 1977, uh, maybe. I, I, Me and my buddy Dave had driven up from uh, Albuquerque to Denver with no tickets because Dave wanted to see Richie Blackmore's Rainbow. Oh, God. And... Dude, I didn't even like Rainbow, but I, I like hanging out with Dave. So we go and pay 50 bucks to some couple in line to give us their tickets. We could do that then. That was a lot of money. And we go in, and you open. Mm -hmm. And and I was like, who the fuck is this guy? And after that, I went and bought that uh, that that album, John Cougar record. And he's like that song, Sugar Marie. And mm -hmm. he's like, yeah, was, I loved it. He put on a great show. I'm like, Jesus Christ, fuck Rainbow. Yeah, well, we got kicked off that tour real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something. I've been booed off stage probably two or three times. It didn't happen that night. It didn't happen that night. Well, it, it happened in uh, in Oakland with Richie Blackmore because they had advertised some other heavy metal band, right? You know, and uh, we didn't last long. You know, um, it's weird because I thought like this guy's like Jagger. He's, he's doing the songs, jumping around, and like because I, I, I wasn't a metal guy. I was like that. That was my style. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't a metal guy either. How's how something like that happen? How'd you get stuck with the? Did you? Oh, back then they didn't care about you know pairing people up properly. Right. It was just like you know, this guy's on tour. I mean, I I I've opened up you know in the seventies for some of the weirdest fucking bands. It's like, <laughs> whose idea was this? You know, like like who? Oh, uh, um, what's the band? I don't I don't know. 
So <laughs> there's, there's some. I opened up for Kiss. Yeah, got kicked off that tour in the seventies. Yeah, yeah, I got kicked off that tour. When did you find? Was there a point where you know on those first three albums that they ever linked you with somebody that you you fit and that you had a good time? Never, <laughs> ever. <laughs> now there was a guy. There, there was like you know, the, but there wasn't. There was only a couple booking agencies, and and I was with a guy named Jeff Franklin who. I think we had a th- company called ATI yeah. out in New York, and uh, they didn't give a fuck. They didn't care. They just want, they wanted to get anybody they could onto the and, big acts. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Just, you know, and and I, I played in Europe in front of uh, Nazareth, and let me see. Well, that's not Blue, too terrible, is it? Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> uh, Blue Oyster Cult, yeah. terrible. <laughs> terrible. But no, here's here's the thing I remember about Blue Oyster Cult, and nothing yeah. personally against these guys, yeah, right? But there was, this, you know, I was just learning how to do shit. You know, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I was like a fucking kid. You know, I was in a fucking bar band. Yeah, and uh, I I would watch these older bands and, and try to learn from them. Right now, I did open up for the Kinks, and that's where I learned a lot. Right, I learned a lot from Ray. Yeah. Yeah, I learned how to work an audience, you know, because, oh, yeah. you know, it's easy to work an audience in a bar band. Yeah. You know, you just go, take care of business, and yeah. people go, yeah, great. Yeah. You know, yeah, they yeah. don't care. And dance. But Ray was a, really a showman, and yeah. and, uh, and he was really good. And I, and I, I did a hundred and some shows opening up for the Kinks. On yeah. what record? Uh, fuck, I don't the first, know. One of the first three-ish? No. 70s? Uh, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know. Oh. I've made... Some I've 20 made, records or something. No, more, more than that. Yeah. Like maybe oh, 27. So many. At least maybe like 36. Wow. Jesus. It's a lot of fucking records. Yeah, man. But the Kinks, you must have liked the Kinks. Kinks are a good band. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I learned a lot from them. But Ray and Dave were enemies. They're brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I would, they would spit on each other on stage. <laughs> really? Yeah. And be, but, but, but Ray was... Uh, Ray was great. I mean, he was nice to you. No, no. Oh. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but you just watched. I watched him work, and and they didn't like it because sometimes we get better reviews them, and that really pissed Ray off. Uh-huh. That's back when you would play, you know, uh, not at night. Yeah, and the next morning there would be a review in the paper. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like that that quick. Right, right. And so we'd have to get on the airplane. Yeah, and we'd have to walk by those fucking guys. <laughs> It's like saying, <laughs> Mellencamp blows off the kinks. It's oh, like, ah, it's not good. Oh. Who wants to lead the way this time? Yeah, I remember like uh, when I went I, when I got out of high school, I went up to Bloomington to look at that college, and, and it was like your town, up in Bloomington, Indiana. There was some place I went into, must have been a record store, and like it was just, it looked like you lived there or something. I do live there. <laughs> I, still, I, still live there. <laughs> I still live there. That stuff on the wall, you know, it was like, almost like a shrine. Yeah, well, that was... Uh, there's still bars that yeah. know, that I used to play at that uh, have pictures of me when I was like 20 years old sitting yeah. in the bars. Well, you know, when I was look, going through stuff and trying to you know figure out you know how to approach the uh, whole conversation, it just, um, I mean, you really had uh, you really fought the good fight early on to you know to to sort of pursue this fucking dream. It seems like it didn't. Nothing was easy. Well, no, nothing, nothing is easy ever. But you know, the truth of the matter is, is that I went to New York to go to the New York Art Student League. What year was that? Nineteen seventy-four. So you were gonna, you wanted to be a painter. 
Yeah, I'd already graduated from like a small college in Indiana, and, uh, and you were painting in college, or yeah, painting your whole yeah, life. Yeah, I've been painting my whole life. Really? How, yeah. Where does that come from? Uh, I guess my mother. Really? My mother was a painter, and uh, she was good painter. No, no, <laughs> no. But when I was a little kid, yeah, her art studio was down in the basement, right. which is where our bedroom was. The my my brothers and me yeah. shared a great big room that they had paneled that was called a bedroom. We had one of those, paneled and, basement. Yeah. yeah. And uh, my mom had five kids, and yeah. so she would paint a little bit, and then she would stop. And had two or three days ago, and I thought, God dang, these fucking oil paintings take forever. Right. So I started painting on them, right. which really pissed her off. Right. <laughs> John, stop painting on my paintings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I started. So I went to New York uh, to... Uh, Really see how much it costs to go to the art student league and see if if I had whatever it took to get in. And at the same time, yeah. I've been singing in these local rock bands, and yeah. I had some demo tapes, live tapes of me singing, and we I just dropped them off. And it the soul it, band, or another another uh, kind of band, another kind of band. Oh yeah, that was in a whole bunch of bands. Which you know. one? Which demos did you bring to New York? Uh, a band called the Mason Brothers. Okay, and uh, we. Uh, was it like Roots kind of or? Nah, you know? Shitty. Shit. <laughs> oh, that kind. Yeah. Right. So you got you got the shitty demos. You got shit. I had some <laughs> shitty homemade demos. Oh, yeah. And uh, I dropped one off at uh, a management company called Main Man. And yeah. they managed Bowie and uh, Iggy Pop and Lou Reed at yeah. the time. Yeah. And as it turns out, because I don't know if you know it or not, Mark, but yeah. I'm the luckiest fucking guy that yeah. you've ever talked to in, in your life. I, I believe you. I am. I'm the yeah. luckiest guy yeah. ever. You know what luck is? What is it? Luck is thinking you're lucky. <laughs> it's just the way you look at things, I guess. Yeah. Luck yeah. is thinking. Yeah. So anyways, it turns out the girl behind the desk at Main Man yeah. was from Indiana. Oh, shit. And she thought I was handsome. And so she said, she said I'll make sure that Tony DeFreeze hears these tapes and so she said well wait a minute better better yet better yet and she walked back and she gets the guy and yeah. he comes up and he looks at me and he goes yeah nice meeting you you know and yeah. that was that was it and yeah. i thought well that's it yeah you know? right so i went back to indiana and then a day later i got a phone call said hey we want you to come to in and talk to us and i went well i'm in indiana i yeah i can't come back i just drove <laughs> fucking 18 hours i can't come back so uh <laughs> <laughs> so they said well we're going to send you a plane ticket I went wait a minute you're going to pay for the plane ticket Yeah. and they said yeah, yeah. and I said and you're going to pay for the hotel room Right. and they go yeah, yeah. and I said okay I'll be there if you're paying, if you got the money honey I got the time yeah and you go <laughs> and I go I was 21 20 and you've already you've already got like a family right yeah I got married when I was 17 got married when you're 17 I was still in high school And but you stayed married to that woman for a while right eight years that's good and uh, you have a, <laughs> Mark, I'm going to get carried away. <laughs> I've, I got married, I've been married twice for eight years, and I, was, I tapped out. I was married once for 20 years. Well, that's better. Yeah. And I, I always hate when people say it to me, oh, I'm sorry about you and Elaine. It's like, what the fuck are you sorry about? Yeah. 20 years is good. Yeah. You know. It's real good. I mean, it's, I mean, like, you that know. That was the last one? Yeah. Mm. And, uh. Yeah, it was, it's like it, it, it was good, and I got 
two two boys out of it that are great. And Which one? The first one? Third marriage. The third marriage, two boys. Yeah, I got two boys, and I got one girl. The first marriage, yeah. uh, two girls. Second marriage, yeah. which my second wife is from Glendale. Was from Glendale. From right here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then Elaine is from Pennsylvania, some small town in Pennsylvania. And two two boys from that. Yeah, and you get along with all of them. All my ex wives. All the kids. The kids. Oh yeah, the kids. Oh yeah, the kids are all great. <laughs> yeah, but I don't talk to my first two wives. Yeah, I guess you don't need to anymore. Well, yeah, their kids are all grown up. Exactly. We didn't have much to talk about it anyway. When and we're married. Which is, which is, I guess, why it worked out the way it did. Yeah. So you're but, 22. You fly back to New York. Tony. Tony DeFries. And then all of a sudden, he says, okay, here. here. It, was, it was a good deal. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, up until he gave me like 60 grand and said, go make a record. And I, I had never made, been in a studio before. Who was your producer? You, <laughs> you, me. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't set you up with anybody. They just got you a studio and said, "Here you go. Where's yeah. your band?" Yeah, I didn't. I I didn't have a band. Yeah, I just got some guys I knew, and uh, we went to a little studio. Uh, there was a jazz musician in Bloomington named Gilfoy, and he had a studio. And we went in there and 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 made the record. Oh, you recorded it in Indiana. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then. Uh, I thought it was a bunch of demos, which, yeah. is, which is what, you know, let's see what your yeah, voice right. sounds like in the studio sure. and blah, blah, blah. Sure. And he goes, oh, it's fucking great. And we're going to put it out. And I went, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a bunch of cover songs. <laughs> like, like, which ones? I know, it was just a terrible, <laughs> terrible song. Anyway, uh, and so I, I go back to New York yeah. at his request, and uh, he said, well, I said, in you know, uh, these are just all cover songs. He goes, yeah. well, the first f- first four Rolling Stones records were all cover songs. Yeah. And by the way, we're going to call you Johnny Cougar. And it was like, whoa, hey, no, man. you're not. Yeah. No, yeah. no, 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 we're not doing that. Yeah. And they go, and they kind of went, well, okay, you don't have to. You can go back to Indiana if you want. <laughs> it was like, uh, <laughs> let me see. You guys are going to pay off my college loan. Yeah. And you're going to give me a retainer each month and that was the deal mm-hmm. so anyway, anyway they hooked me up with Mick Ronson who was uh, Bowie's guitar player yeah I know that guy yeah Ronson was a great guy great anyway, player right oh yeah I'm a great guy yeah that's good anyway uh, so then we took that those shitty tapes in and Ronson did the best he could with them and then <laughs> that was the record <laughs> that, that was it yeah that was it and then I was fucked how are you fucked? Well, I just thought you're Johnny Cougar. You got yeah. a covers record out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I know I was fucked. So everything was going. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it was going badly. <laughs> and, and and it got, and 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 then market got worse because they said, you know, you need to start writing your own songs. It's yeah. like what? Yeah, write my own songs. So you hadn't done that at all. No, I'd written maybe you know I'd lied once and told my parents I wrote Universal Soldier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, <laughs> but other than that, that's no. interesting. So, like, you know, coming into it, you really wanted to be a painter, yeah. and this thing fluked out. And well, then it was you, a total fluke. Yeah, fluke is the perfect word. And you follow through with it, and now you're you're in it. You're not in it for seventy years. Are you <laughs> shitting me? I've been making records for fifty years. You're in the music business. Maybe you should go back to art school now. I paint every day. Yeah, I paint every day. I've been. Is yeah. that the passion? Really? Uh, if I would have 
had the the money yeah. or whatever to support myself as a painter, yeah. I would have been probably a pretty good painter by now. But now I'm just kind of average. You know? Yeah, I think you're good. I mean, you did the, you did the cover of this record, right? No, my son did the cover oh. of this record. He's uh, 24, 25 He's a painter old. too then. And yeah. then he's a real deal? Like he's a, he's... He graduated from RISD, Rhode Island School oh. of Art and Design. Yeah, he's a real painter. I mean, it, But that's you on the cover. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he painted me. Yeah, it's good. Two two days. Took him to do that. Two fucking days. And I looked at I mean, he, he this kid is such a good painter. Yeah. I look at him and go, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, what do you think about this, Dad? Ah, fuck you. It's interesting that you know, three generations of painter one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's painting makes life uh, bearable. It slows it down, gets it makes, you focused. It's It makes life bearable. Well, because I've been around so many people. Yeah, you know, I always admired you comedians. You know, I know a couple of comedians. Who? Oh, a bunch of you know uh, from up there, Midwestern guys. No, you know, uh, like, like Bill Maher. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, the hippy dippy weatherman. Oh yeah, yeah, George Carlin. George Carlin. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I gone to. I know George. I knew George. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but wait, wait, you like comedians because why? We don't got to. You know, just, you don't got no fucking crew. You got yeah. no sound. You got no lights. Yeah. You know, she just. Oh shit! Walk. The promoters know that too. They, they used to, in the seventies. They always had comedians open for guys because just the, you know, they're they're people are still sitting down and they don't got to pay for to move drums or nothing. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I saw some comedians open up for people right in the seventies, right? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't. They yeah. Well, listen. You know, we we are. The lowest rung of the ladder. The artist is always the lowest rung. It's weird to realize that, isn't it? No matter how big you get to a certain degree. I mean, it seems like some guys become mythic and above it all, but it takes a long time. But there's five think, of them. I don't think. I don't think anybody does. No kidding. No, I know a couple bands who's had records, yeah, rejected and sent back and told, no, no, we're not going to release these records. Big guys. Those guys. The Stones. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think it was uh, Tattoo You or something. They just said, no, we're not taking this. Did record. you listen to that blues record they made? They, they were all blues records. No, I know, but that one just recently, the Blue and Lonesome that they put out a few years ago, straight yeah. up, it was all covers. It and, was. Yeah, and, and no big publicity on it, but they just snuck it out there, and it's fucking great. Well, you know, it should be great. Those guys are- <laughs> They know they're, what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, you get better the older you get. People uh, people don't really realize that, but you you get better I, at what you do. I think that's true, and I think it's difficult for for guys and uh, and people, women, whoever, who have their bulk of their sort of mainstream success when they're so young. You know, because I think you're right. Like this new record that you got here is great. It's a great record, and I think also like the record, even the like the the one record that was really transitional. It seems to me was that one you did with T-Bone. That record's fucking beautiful because all the stuff that you did kind of, it it it, it gets into your pores and then, you know, it, it gets totally comfortable and you have complete control and, you know, you can own yourself in a different way. Like on this record, like you like you and Dylan and, and Waits and, and Willie, guys who aren't, aren't ashamed or aren't trying to hide at all, it really pays off, you know, when you're, when you're, older because it's honest well and 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 you become like a vessel you know like, right i don't ever sit down anymore and go i'm gonna write a song about mark yeah i, I, I just not anymore just that was the old days that was the old days. Days. i'd like to see those songs <laughs> no you wouldn't 
Yeah. Anyway, you would like. Yeah, right. You would like. Yeah, right. uh, anyway, so, but, you know, I'll be painting and all yeah. of a sudden a voice in my head will go, ah, you need to put the paintbrush down and write this down and be like, no, I don't want to. I'm talking to myself. No, yeah. I don't want to. And it's like, and then I'll write something. I don't even know what it is. Interesting. You know? I don't even know where it's coming from, what it's about. Yeah. So on this new record, it was about, I was in about four songs and I realized it was the same guy talking. Yeah. About himself, you I mean, know, it's not a, this record. Not about me. It's not. No, I always assume that. Yeah, no, people, songwriters have told me over and over again that it's not me. It's not me. I mean, you know, uh, I'm an observer. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. Do you mean you, you're not? You're not sad and dark and see death coming. Oh yeah, we all do that. <laughs> it's not so. So it's a little bit about you. <laughs> well, it's a little bit about all of us. Yeah, you yeah. Know, right. Once yeah, sure. you once you reach a certain age, you know, yeah. it kind of. Yeah, but you're saying the narrator isn't you. Correct. Mm. Correct. And so I didn't realize that the same person was sending or was sending me the same songs. Yeah. Uh, all these songs, or else I just finally got to the point. <laughs> after, yeah. After thirty albums, I finally got to the point. You know, because we, you know, really to be honest, I mean, I've talked to Bob and Bob uh, who Dylan, yeah, and other people, yeah, and it's like we just all really write the same four fucking songs over <laughs> and over and over. <laughs> they really, yeah. Bob said that, yeah, Bob, but Bob will, Bob will kick. He's not afraid to put out a twenty-minute song though. So if you know, I guess he's written right. He's written a few of those in his career, but that last twenty-minute song about the Kennedy assassination, <laughs> I got. I mean, let me tell you something. Yeah. Bob's not afraid of anything. No, what, why should he be? Well, I mean, you know. Uh, He's out there playing state fairs, dude. I know. Because he wants to, I, I imagine. Know. He'll play. Yeah, he doesn't care if there's an audience or not. You know, he, he could do what they do. I mean, if the he. Stones. Yeah, he, yeah. he could go out there and with acoustic guitar and yeah. play Blowing in the Wind. Right, and sure. like a rock, But he doesn't do that. Right. And I admire him for that. Yeah. Because you just become like a fucking jukebox. I'm Dude, like, he'll go out there and play uh, an entire uh, concert, and you don't even know what song he's playing. <clears throat> well, I know because I, me, Willie. Yeah. I mean, Willie, me, and Bob yeah. did a hundred shows together. You did? Yeah. Oh my god! In, in baseball stadium, that was the last time I played outdoors. I, I'll never play outdoors again. But that must have been great. No. Um. Uh, well, it was better than. Uh, Opening that, for Rainbow? <laughs> much better than that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but do you guys get along with those guys? It would seem that, like, I don't know how the road works, dude. Do you speak to them? Do you have a, a yeah, yeah, have Bob, some ribs? Bob, yeah. Bob would come in my yeah. into my dressing room, which is, a, a you know, a a, a trailer, really. It's yeah. one of those silver trailers, sure. uh, Airstream. Yeah. And uh, he would come in and hang around, and we'd bullshit around, and... Uh, and but Willie always stayed on his bus, you know, and so he likes the bus. Yeah, he, he likes the weed and the bus. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not. It's, that's no secret. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, it was, it, it was. Well, so I'll tell you how it went. Yeah, we did one summer. Willie, yeah. me, Bob. Right. The next summer, it was me and Bob. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm not, so that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. It was, turned right. out to be me and Bob. Yeah. So. Uh, we got along. Yeah, he seems to like you. Yeah, Bob likes me. It's nice. Yeah, yeah, it's good. So when when you were told to write songs, 
like now that you see yourself as a vessel and these things are coming through you, which answers some questions for me because I have a, like I have to, like I really listen to the lyrics, you know, and I'm not a lyrics guy. Usually I'm just a melody guy, you know, and a riff guy. I have a hard time with lyrics, but I'm listening to these lyrics and I'm thinking like, well, it seems like uh, John's going through some stuff, <laughs> but but you don't think it's you. No, I, I, I think I'm seeing some stuff. Okay. You know, I, yeah. mean, I mean, let's face it, I, I know you're like 55, 50, 58. Okay, you're 58 years yeah. old. All right, so how many more fucking summers? No, you, I know. Yeah, yeah. How many more summers yeah, you got? Yeah, yeah. You know? No, I know. I, I got like maybe 10 summers if I'm lucky. I've been smoking since I'm 14. Yeah. You know, so. Uh, you never stopped? No. Wow. I smoked since I was 14. I stopped somehow. Why? Well, it took a long time. Nicotine lozenges, the candies. Just kept eating them. Yeah. And eventually it went away. Yeah, good, good for you. <laughs> Sometimes I miss them. Though. Listen, here's the thing. What do you smoke? What kind? Uh, American Spirit. Here's, uh, here's what'd the you deal. start with, Marlboro? Yep. Mm. I used to, when I, in the 70s. <laughs> Marlboro Reds. Marlboro Reds. Yeah. Big Red. Uh, big Red Chew? No, Big Red uh, a drink called Big Red. Oh, yeah, I remember Big Red, yeah. And potato chips yeah. and cigarettes yeah. is what I lived on. Was Big Red like a cinnamon soda? Kind of like bubble gum. Oh, bubble gum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it went pretty good. But anyway, I yeah. would drink four or five of those a day, smoke three packs of cigarettes, oh. and eat potato chips. Yeah. And uh, that was my diet. And then I would wonder why I couldn't go to sleep at night. Why can't I go to yeah, sleep right, at night? Right. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know. It's... Never a drug guy, though. Um, yeah, when I was in college, but I quit taking drugs when I was 21. Yeah, just at it, just cause. What no, your thing? just cause uh, I was getting my ass beat too many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. That doesn't sound like a good high, was it? I would get stoned and I'd get drunk and then I would be trouble, right? And then always be fucking trouble. Yeah, I was one of those guys. That yeah, when you would go into a bar and you would look at the guy yeah. and you'd go, ah, let's keep away from that fucking guy. <laughs> that was you. Yeah, but I, but you 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 can be trouble without liquor or drugs, can't you? Yeah, I can find. I seem to find trouble most places I go. <laughs> Why do you think that is? I, I I'm not for everybody. I, yeah, I'm barely for me. Yeah, yeah. I don't. You, you got you got to know the feeling. Sure. I'm not, I'm not for everybody. You know. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm not for everybody. And then you find somebody that that that, that gets you. And then you just wear them down. That's that's pretty much the long and short of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can I write that down? <laughs> Find somebody that gets you and you wear them yeah, down. Yeah, wear them down. Put that in a song. <laughs> okay, I'll give it to you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, when the guy tells you to go write songs, I mean, I know I know exactly what I said to him because it was like I just looked at him and said, "Why?" Yeah. I hey, said, there's plenty I, of songs. There's, there's more songs already than yeah. we could listen to or sing yeah. or hear. If we started today and we lived to be 100, yeah. we couldn't listen to hear all of them. Why do we need more fucking songs? Yeah. But anyway, so then I started writing songs. And uh, and you had a knack for it, did you find? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a struggle. <laughs> it was a fucking struggle. You know, it's like anything else. Yeah, I, 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 you know, if you went back and yeah, and you looked at your first yeah, set, yeah, yeah. first uh, jokes, sure, or the first, you know, yeah, or, or even even to bring the point more home to you, Mark. 
Let's go back to your high school okay. and talk to the first girl you had sex with. And just terrible. It's terrible. Just, just see how good it was. <laughs> it was pretty bad for the first couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's way it's for all guys. Yeah, but, but you had a fucking kid. Yeah. And you know why? Because <laughs> you weren't good at it. Because I wasn't no good at it. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> I was terrible at it. <laughs> Whoops. I didn't know that was happening. <laughs> yeah. My, I remember my dad yeah. telling me, he goes, John, they, they know why people get pregnant. You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> they, they figured that out. Now. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you shouldn't be doing that. Right. And too late. Yeah. So when did you feel like you had a handle on it? That record that I saw you tour on, that John Cougar record with I Need a Lover? No. Uh, no, I never. That must have made you some money, that that song, huh? Uh, yeah. With Pat Benatar, who's that who did it? Yeah, yeah. That's she, a big she, hit. She, she covered and had a hit with it. And I had a hit, hit record with it in yeah. Australia. I uh, I was so far in debt by that time to the record company that, you know. It didn't I, matter. You yeah, can't even yeah. see it. Yeah. My whole thing was is that I was so far in debt at one point to the record company yeah. that it was just like they would go, well, this is going to come out of your royalties. And I go, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, really? So you couldn't I, even fight it? Yeah, I didn't care. I'm not going to uh, yeah. ever break even anyway. So, yeah. you know, what do I care if I'm $10 million in debt? What do I so, care? So at what point do you, like, was there a moment at least where you're like, fuck it? You, we, I mean, was your mind always on writing hit records? Or how did it work? Well, for me, you know, I never was a critic's darling in the, yeah. be in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, but as time went on, uh, they seemed to line up. But So I needed hit records. Right. I, I knew that I needed to have hit records. Right. So, uh, uh, you know, I had a hit hit record with I Need a Lover. Yeah. I had a song called Amy Dunn with the Night. Yeah. That was kind of a semi-hit. Yeah. And then in 82, I released a record that had a bunch of hit records on it. And at that point, everybody just left me alone. Really? Yeah, that was that was a what, American Fool. Yeah, and that that's the one. Oh yeah, that was a big record. <laughs> yeah, woo. Yeah, they, they. Well, the record company came down to. I was down in Miami making that record, and wow. Uh, and uh, they came down, and I played them three songs. I'd been in there, you know. There's a guy in a band in yeah. Miami. Yeah. It's fucking the early '80s. You could imagine what was going on. Sure. And we had been down there like, I don't know, 10 weeks and had three songs done. <laughs> <laughs> with, with, who was the band? Was it the guys you were with forever? Yeah, they're still with me. Some of the guys are still in the band. Yeah. Anyway, they, they came down and they just said, John, these songs are not any good. And uh, if you don't uh, get a hit record off these, with these, if you don't straighten these yeah. songs out, we're, we're going to drop you from the label. And I just kind of went, drop me from the label yeah how could you do such a thing right so anyway the three songs that they hated was jack and diane yeah hurt so good yeah and hand to hold on to <laughs> all three top 10 records <laughs> they hated them you, you need to put the memphis horns on this on these songs oh man dude so so you just said fuck you and did them anyways yeah and did they think like all right, all right that's what you're gonna do fine no, I told no. This is you know I'm I'm joking with you, but there's another me that you don't want to know. No, yeah, I I think I heard about that guy. Yeah, you don't know him. <laughs> anyway, I looked at him. I looked at the guy and I said, "Look, fucker." Yeah. I make the records. It's your job to sell them. Yeah. So don't tell me what to do. 
that, that you should put that in another song. I already have. Okay. <laughs> and of course, uh, they left uh, that those sessions, you know, with kind of a bad taste in their mouth. Yeah, right. Uh, but there were a couple people who believed in a couple of those songs, and they worked worked on them really hard, and and voila, big big you know but you know when you think about it you yeah. know when you're dealing with the general public that doesn't necessarily mean that the songs are good it just means that you can write a song that the general public you know the general public wants to sing along with. yeah but come on i mean like it seems like you're pretty hard on yourself i mean like are there so when did you write a song that you just thought was good was that on on scarecrow i mean when when did you say like this is a whole album it's conceptually solid and i'm proud of it well i wasn't no, I know not that one, but ever, not such, not not yet, not yet now. No, <laughs> oh my god. No, all right. No, all right. I I uh, I uh, am one of those guys that strictly believe in push and shove all the time. But where do you get any sort of uh, a sense of like you know? So do you just think you're? Uh, do you think you're a good guy? I don't care about that. Right. I don't care. Okay. Do you think uh, that you, well, you're a professional? There's good. There's got to be good things. Well, I'm not saying there are. I, right. It's not. It's not my. You know, I can't control what people think about. Of me. course, of course. But I just would hope that, like, you know, because like there, you've done some some pretty big stuff and good things for farmers, and you've uh, you've uh, elevated a lot of people. You've done. You made people feel uh, good and have a place in the world. That you would hope that at some point you'd be like, I did some good shit. You would hope. <laughs> yeah. You would hope, but I'm not there yet. Oh. I'm still uh, pushing and slugging. And Well, like, okay, so let's talk about, like, you know, focusing on, you know, putting your heart in the right place around raising money for for these, uh, the farmers and for others who, you know, you seem to have goodwill in you. And it seemed that uh, that the Scarecrow record was a big shift with all that stuff. What What drove that? Well... Uh, it just so happened that uh, when I wrote Scarecrow, all the small towns uh, yeah. in Indiana were uh, disappearing and were going out of business. All the little towns yeah. that I had haunted when I was in high school for girls and yeah. stuff. Yeah. There was like, you know, the post office was gone. The filling station was gone. Right. I couldn't figure out what was going on. And, yeah. and, and, I, and I realized that it was the, the family farms had had been kind of kicked out of business so you felt like your state was dying i felt like the whole uh midwest was dying and i yeah. felt like uh you know uh it dawned on me even back then that yeah. you know uh if you were going to buy a car you would study the car over what's what's this car do what, yeah how fast will it go how many miles a gallon does it get if you're gonna yeah. buy a, a tv you'll study it. but you'll put any motherfucking thing in your mouth you know, and yeah. eat any kind of shit. Yeah, and I and I, you know, I thought, you know, we're eating shit. If it's got a lot, we go into a grocery store and you see a bunch of colored stuff, you shouldn't yeah. eat it. Right. You know. Yeah. So <laughs> that's how Scarecrow came about. And that, but you know, the trouble with Scarecrow again, there was arm twisting going on with that record, and I didn't like it. And I didn't like you know people telling me you got to do. I had a song called R O C K in the USA, which That's went, big song went to number one. Yeah, but I didn't want to put it on the album, right? Because it was too. It didn't fit the album, right? But I I I got arm twisted by the record company. Same record company. Yeah, you've been with them that long. 
Oh, I've been with him forever. And I, I left him and went to Columbia, which was a huge fucking mistake, but I stayed there for a couple of records and I went back. And this, the original record company was which one? Polygram. Polygram. So like, oh, so then you, uh-huh, was another, well, so they, they got used to you making big hits. Yeah, yeah. So when Oh, you, yeah, it, it, it would piss me off because I was trying to make a good album. Right. And I would walk in and they'd go, how many hits on this record? And I'd go, what? what? Yeah. They they all got to be hits. Yeah. So, but uh, see, I was very fortunate you know, with the songwriting. Yeah. Lyrical content was hard for me, uh, but I was lucky that I was I'm able to make melodies quickly. Yeah. And I can make up a melody real quick. Yeah. And and a hook. A, a hook. I'm very good at hooks. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I can tell guitar players go da 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 da. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and they'll do it. You yeah. Know? And it and and they work. So I'm very fortunate with that. But I I struggled with my messages. I did a poor job. I think a lot of times. Like and, with and, the, like with this new record, I think I'm finally getting to what I'm what I was meant to say. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've been writing, but like I said, I've been writing the same four fucking songs for ever and what are those about well it's about um not giving a fuck yeah you know how do you go through life and not give a fuck yeah but still be able to give a fuck when you need to yeah you know yeah and uh and then about uh growing old with some sort of dignity, yeah, which uh, I find most people uh, just either give up, give give up way too early, yeah, or they try to imitate themselves when they were kids, mm. and it's embarrassing, yeah, you know, yeah, it's embarrassing, and I didn't want to be one of those guys, yeah, so you know that, and then you know, there's a couple songs about girls, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, and then and that's about it, yeah. That's the whole thing. Yeah, that's about that's about all I got. So, so when you were when when something like Scarecrow happens, and you you know you have this sort of broader concept record. I mean, I mean, going into that, you're not thinking these are the same four songs. I mean, going into that record, you had a vision, right? <laughs> Mark, I've never so, planned anything in my life. I've never planned anything in my. You kept working though, uh, man. My, I, Mark, I told you yeah, when we, when we you're first pushing, started. Pushing, pushing. No, no, I'm what? lucky. Yeah, I'm. I'm lucky. Yeah, luck is thinking you're lucky. I think I'm lucky, so I just go with it, and then don't try to. You know, my best songs, my best paintings are when I don't try to control them. I just let them go. I would imagine that you're best on stage just when, you, when you're just letting go. Sure. Yeah, yeah, when you don't give a fuck. When you don't give a fuck. Yeah. See, because there's only so many things you should give a fuck about. Yeah. And if you give a fuck about too many things, then when it comes time to really give a fuck about something. You're out of fucks. Yeah, yeah. You're you're (laughs) running out and nobody cares. And you're the kid that cried wolf. Yeah. Oh, Mark's mad again. Yeah. It's like, well, who gives a fuck? He's always mad. Right. You know. (laughs) This sounds like a, a lesson hard learned. It is. Yeah. It's hard being the mad guy, buddy. No, it's not. <laughs> I've done it my whole life. You can tell me that song on the new record about not having any friends and lying to strangers is not about you. No. Okay. I always I I, I love that. You know. I I I. 
it just dawned on me during the pandemic. Well, actually, Mm. right before the pandemic. Yeah. You know, uh, when uh, we had that president. Yeah. uh, How many fucking lies is this guy going to tell? Yeah. You know, and then I thought, and then I thought, well, you know, how many lies, you know, do we, how many lies do we hear a day? Uh, and so I, I looked it up, and it was like, we hear almost 500 lies a day, and we tell like 150 ourselves. Really? Yeah. There's numbers on that. There's research. Yeah. Research. Hard data. Science. Yeah. <laughs> Science. I think you're, I think you're uh, lying to me right now. Chances are. <laughs> Odds are, yeah. Chances are. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. So that's what drove that one. Yeah. Yeah, I always lie to strangers, and and, and so do you. Yeah, well, I get well. We if you lie to yourself, you're going to lie to others. Yeah, because you know what do you know? I, nothing. <laughs> I mean, and when you're 70 years old, you really realize that you don't know too much. Well, let's talk about like the sound, man, because like what was interesting about what's really kind of interesting to me, in the sense, like when I listen to, let me see which one is it, because I can't. Uh, Oh, did you say such a thing? Is that Bruce singing with you? Yeah. But what's great about that song is like the other ones are kind of like you know they're they're, they're kind of he- heavy in a way, and the, the sound is spaced out. Your voice is right up front, but that song same tone, the production similar. But like right when that snare comes in, you're like, hey, that's a that's John Mellencamp snare. You do. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, you know, and, yeah. and you know what's funny is, what? that, is that American Fool. Yeah. Going back to that record, yeah. we spent forever creating that sound. That's there? Yeah. And people told me at the time that they would pull their car over and go, what the fuck is making that sound? Oh, so it's because, a thing. Yeah, because uh, at the time, all drums were recorded in drum booths. Uh-huh. And we didn't go into a drum booth. Right. So we, we, we came up with all different kind of ways of tr- not traditionally miking a drum kit. Uh-huh. You know, let's 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 figure out a new way as opposed to this mic on this thing, yeah, and, this, yeah. and then being in the, put the drummer in a little box. Right, he was in a great big fucking room. That and guy had Kenny. My, yeah, Kenny. Yeah. How do you know this shit? I looked it up. Yeah, good. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so we had mics everywhere. Yeah, uh, ambient mics. Uh huh. And then we just twiddled around with it till we got what we liked, and then you know, Punk. I, I told uh, I told the engineer, I said, "Look, when you hear those old Motown songs, you hear the voice, and you hear the fucking drums, and so that's all the you know. If you, as long as you can hear me singing and you can hear the fucking drums kicking, that's just you know. That's rest, it. That that's was it. what was on your mind. Yeah, that 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 was. That's inspiration. Know, I don't know about that, but that John, was the idea. John Fogarty told me. I don't believe anything that fucker said. No, but no, <laughs> no, but it's, it's just similar in that because I asked him about the production on those things. The guy got some of those old records on Fantasy, and they hold up, you know. Yeah, they do. And uh, I said, "How'd you how'd you approach production?" And he just said, "Well, yeah, I just thought about the music coming out of an AM radio in a car." So, you know, when you're playing guitar, you put the guitar up front. When you're singing, you put the singing up no, front. That's, that's exactly right. I mean, yeah. you know, I just I just had this conversation uh, two weeks ago because, oddly enough, it's been like 40 years since Scarecrow came out yeah. and, and the record company is remixing it and all this crap. Uh-huh. I'm going to re-release it. Yeah. Anyway, so they would send it to me and I would go, uh, you know, and I said, "Look, when the fucking voice isn't there, something's got to take its place. It can't. You can't just have the voice <laughs> right. and, and then have the song go. 
<laughs> yeah. But see, you know, Mark, the quieter the voice is, the more rocking the band is. Yeah, man. Because you pull the voice back, and, yeah. and then you hear, yeah, you hear, and you hear, you know, yeah, you, yeah. you hear all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But if you got the voice over top of it, you can you can take a kick ass track and make yeah. it sound like nineteen ten fruit gun company if you right. want to. Right. I mean, you can do anything. Yeah. And that's what I really don't like about music today. Is like, where's the song? Mm. Well, <clears throat> on this record. Like, there are definitely, like, there's things you like. You know, there's grooves and stuff where you come from, you know, in, mm -hmm. in your mind and, and, and in, you know, the history of you. But that's interesting that you say that because your voice is right up front, but you're not, you're singing, you're putting it all into it, but it's still softer, right? Right. Well, and two, you know, from smoking so long. Yeah. I am, uh, I mean, we laughed about it. As a matter of fact, we AB'd it. Who? Um, in in the studio, yeah. we laughed, and it's like, uh, man, your voice sounds like Louis Armstrong now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I thought, great. But all, all these guys, I guess they know you so well, and you know what you want. There's a lot of space there. You know, there's a lot of space with everything, and all that, the rhythms of the, you know, that weave in country rhythms, the, the blues rhythms, they all kind of. Well, and, you know, anybody can fill up the space. Mm. It's the space, it's the space that's not full that, that really matters. Yeah. The, it's the space around it. You can hear. You can hear it. You know. I used to say, "Let's don't take the living room off the record." Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. So when did you feel like, like I'm, I'm sort of fascinated with that, with that T-Bone Burnett guy. Why? Because I think he's like a, he's he's kind of like a, an encyclopedic um, generator of of tones and sounds. Mm -hmm. Like I think he's got. His points of reference are very unique and interesting. I don't think there's a lot of guys like him. Uh, there's not. Uh, but then again, you know, I've, I know T-Bone very well. I made three albums with him. Yeah. And uh, I learned a lot from, from T-Bone. Right. I learned a lot from T-Bone. Yeah. Because, uh, the, you know, my musicians are so good and and they've done it so long that we can, you know, we want to put music on everything. Yeah. And T-Bone came in and kind of just went, wait a minute. What's the first record you did with him? Life, Death, Love, okay. and Freedom. And then you, he did No Better Than This, too? Uh, I think he executive produced okay. it. Okay. But he was in the studio with Young Life, Death, Love, and Freedom. Yeah, he was there for that. Yeah. He was there for that record. And so what'd you, what were you saying? You were learning what? You guys are so good. Well, the, the musicians. I didn't yeah. say we were so good. I said the musicians were good. Right. I that they can play uh, anything. Right. I can throw anything at them, and in seconds they're playing it. Right. And so you get real busy. Yeah. You know, you lose that space that you're, you're yeah. enjoying off this new record. Right, right. So he would, he kind of just said, do we really need this guitar, this second guitar? Do we really want to double this? Do we really? So, you know, I, I, I learned a lot from, from T-Bone. And making it more sparse? Yes making it sparse and letting the song speak as opposed to having a good song and covering it up with too much music. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, you, you kind of lived through the worst of the production years. What are you talking about? Just, I mean, in the industry. Like, you know, production has evolved, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, it's got... I mean, uh, <laughs> you, you don't know how many fucking times I have walked in the studio and said if you guys don't quit talking about this fucking machinery i'm gonna kill all of you 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like, are you guys kidding? I, I don't care about this reverb unit. I don't care about it. Shut yeah. up about it. You guys talk about that you know, on your own time. We're making a record here. <laughs> Do you listen to music? Uh, I listen to, sh yeah. Yeah, I, there's records I listen to. Like who? Lots. Yeah. Lots. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm an indiscriminate listener. So you just let it roll. Yeah. I'm an indiscriminate listener. I'm. I'm not very. I used to be kind of judgmental about other people's material, but I'm not now. I don't like. I don't particularly like what I hear on the radio today. Uh huh. Is there radio? <laughs> well, that's the, that's the point. Yeah, I have. I've asked myself before. Maybe you would, but maybe you stop listening, John. Mm. Maybe you stop listening. Maybe there's some good shit out there, but you're not listening. It's definitely a lot of stuff. Yeah, you know. But and I. But I. They're right. I mean, that when I made that discovery about myself, I. I thought well, you're right. I. I quit listening. Yeah. I quit. I. You know. It's hard enough for me just to make my own records, let alone listen to other records that I have to insert myself into listening to. Did you, did you find yourself, like, throughout a lot of your uh, career, to be, were you competitive? Or were you just angry? Just angry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't really understand being competitive with other musicians. I, I, I just, well, I thought we were all on the same team. Yeah. You know, and yeah. then I found out that wasn't the case. Uh-huh. You know, during the... Late 80s and early 90s, there were some competitions going on, and uh, I, but, I didn't like it, and I just quit. Like, like how did you find that out? Like, what do you mean, in that no, particular just, time just, period? Just, you know. Guys uh, doing the same thing as you? No, 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 uh, no, no, no. You know, it would be like, you know, everybody was doing the right thing. Yeah. Uh, like, I got asked to do a whole bunch of, of uh, things like Farm Aid yeah. all the time. Right. Didn't you start that thing? Yeah, I mean, well, Willie did actually, yeah. and then I, Willie was in Bloomington. He called me up and asked yeah. me, and I Scarecrow had just come out. Mm. That's how that all happened. Yeah, but there were a lot of uh, of do goody things going on. Yeah, but when you pulled the curtain back, they weren't so do goody. Yeah, you know, it was like, well, am I going to be on the primetime TV spot? Am I going to, you know, sure. is this? And it was like, I don't be part of this. Yeah, this isn't this isn't the. Re I mean, I remember the one that I. They did money to clean the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, and and Coca Cola was sponsoring. And yeah. I just said no, I'm not doing. It. And they wanted me to headline, and I was like, I'm not doing this. Yeah, it's going to be on national TV. How can you say no? If I, no, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. like I don't care about the fucking Statue of Liberty. <laughs> you don't, don't have to do anything. To, yeah, it don't mean shit to me. Yeah, you know. It, yeah, it, you know whether it's clean or not. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. And Lady Liberty, what? Yeah, you know that was you know World War Two. Yeah, now. It's just something people to gawk at. You yeah, know. go up and look right. at. There it is out there. Or have some kind of phony raw raw. Right, right. We're Americans. Yeah, yeah. You know, thing. Yeah. Most people don't even know where it came from. France. Well, I didn't say most people. No. I knew you probably. I knew. thought it was a quiz. No. <laughs> seven sevens. What do I win? What seven do... sevens. <laughs> What's seven sevens? What seven sevens? Yeah. And what is it? Forty nine. Oh, Come yeah. on, right. goddamn. Well, I know that. No, no, you didn't. He didn't answer. Well, I, didn't. I thought it was a trick. <laughs> no. I thought there was a, a turn of some no, kind. I don't, I don't know any tricks. I, <laughs> I know seven sevens. Though. Yeah, you don't. I do. No. I just asked you. He yeah, didn't know. I did know it. I mean, I know seven times seven is forty nine. But I thought seven sevens. You were gonna like there was gonna be a, a, a some sort of joke to it. 
And it's a multiplication. If you were See, that's the trouble with you deep thinkers. I know. Isn't it? Yeah. We're always looking for deeper meaning. Yeah. And it's just 49. It's just 49. <laughs> I yeah. learned a lesson today, John. Thank you. <laughs> just get, I got to take it easy and just deal with what's happening now. Yeah, that's right. And, mm. and remember that you always lie to strangers. So you got burned out on the, the sort of phony... You know, uh, rah rah. You know, we're, we're, the the cause thing uh, was a little bit. Uh, uh, the integrity of it was not that great. Yeah, was, yeah, and it's and you know, it's like I just did a painting called "No Heroes in America." Yeah, you know, because you know, who are we going to celebrate? Yeah, I don't know anymore. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you you really believe that? You really believe that? Uh, that Edison was such a good guy. No, he was a monster, I think. Yeah, he's a fucking monster. Poor Tesla. Uh, yeah. Tesla well, was... Well, what, what about that poor guy? Yeah. <laughs> Tesla hey. got a rough go. Okay, well, look, that's just... Henry Ford, monster. Yeah. Fucking uh, monster. Christopher Columbus, monster. That, yeah, yeah. That guy was real bad. I think they even took away his day. Yeah, I did. They, I think they did, yeah. I think they finally took away his yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. Because he, uh, he killed too many people. Yeah, yeah, yeah like... The people who lived here. Yeah, yeah. You know, I got news for you. We fucking, you know. We killed all of them, yeah. Everything we got, we stole. What What was this Good Samaritan tour? That seemed like earnest. That, that was, I, I was, I tried to figure out, uh, I had a summer that we didn't have a tour booked, you know, because you usually play in the summer. Back then, I used to play outdoors Do you need time. to do it? No. Yeah. I, I do it. Because uh, it's what you do? Because what? Yeah, I'm. I live an artist's life. Right. I've never had a straight job. Right. You know, I. So I paint. I I make something every day. I'm, I paint every day. I write songs. Mm-hmm. I write poetry. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it's just a matter of, hey, Mark, let's uh, let's change this a little bit. And put sure. some put some color on it and kind yeah. of dampen it down so yeah. it doesn't look so bright. You yeah. Know? Sure. So just you know all kind of stuff all yeah. the time. Uh. I was having a conversation with my wife, and I said, "What would Woody Guthrie do today? Yeah, if what what would be the equivalent of Woody Guthrie going playing for the fields for the workers?" And we had a conversation, and came to the conclusion that it would be go play at lunchtime in the middle of you know uh, town, yeah, in a city, yeah. Uh, where people go to gather to have their lunch yeah. and sing for free for them. Yeah. And so that's what we did. And uh, Well, how did you decide on the towns and how did you promote it? Or did we you? didn't. Oh, you didn't? No. So someone would just we, run into where they work and go like, you no. guys, John Mellencamp's outside. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what happened. And the first show, I think, was in Boston. And, I mean, nobody knew about it. Was it like no. Quincy Market? Where'd you do it? Uh, we did it on Harvard's Green Pastures. Oh, okay. And... Uh, 800 people showed up. Oh, in Harvard Square where the buskers are? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 800, yeah. So 800 people. By the time we finished, because the internet was just starting, uh-huh. we ended in Chicago mm-hmm. and there were 30,000 people. <laughs> in the park? No, in, uh, in that square. Mm. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. But there's all, all these big high-rise. Jesus, what were, you, what were you using for amplification? Well, that was it. I mean, I know nobody could hear. Yeah. Because, you know, we, we were just using little teeny... Uh, amps that big except that they uh, like a champ uh, yeah like a champ but they bat- they were battery powered oh wow <laughs> well you really made it difficult for yourself didn't you, you know, well you know we didn't uh, we didn't what, do you think 20 people were gonna come 
Well, I mean, let's go out on the corner and you tell, tell some jokes and I'll sing some songs. Let's yeah. see how many people we can get together. Right. You're not going to be that many right off the bat. No, I know. <laughs> and nobody knows where you're going to be anyway. Right. So that we didn't even know where we were going. I told you I never planned anything. Yeah. So me and Elaine would look look at the thing and go, well, we can go to Pittsburgh or we can go to Cincinnati. You bring, in the car you were deciding? In the bus. We had yeah. a bus. Yeah. We had a bus. Yeah. We were deciding. That's and, fun. And I never even told the guy, you know, I had two young kids playing with me and they would go. I wonder where we're going tomorrow. <laughs> and I, they'd go, where are we going tomorrow? And I'd go, fuck if I know. Did, is it fun? Yeah, it was fun. Did you record it or anything? Yeah. it's a uh, matter of fact, you can watch it on TCM. Uh, oh, okay. Turner, Turner Classic Movies has a website. Yeah. It has a channel. Uh, and you can watch it on there. That's fun. Yeah. What are you going to do with this record? Are you going to go out? Can't. You want to know I canceled. I had six. This is the third time I've canceled. Oh, with the COVIDs. Yeah. Yeah. So you're just gonna let it go? No, I'm gonna. I'm like I said, it's my first podcast. Yeah. So you know, I usually don't do interviews that much. Yeah. So uh, I'm gonna do interviews. I'm gonna do. I don't want to be on TV, but I'm gonna do some TV. Like what? I don't know, I've been invited to do some stuff. You gonna sing? Uh, I don't know. We'll <laughs> yeah. see. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see what they want. You know. Like the Tonight Show. Is Carson still there? Not anymore. Yeah. And there's been a couple of guys since him. Jimmy Fallon's it. You know, that's my biggest yeah. regret. I what? was asked to do the Carson show when Carson was, and I said no. I, I didn't do it with Carson either, and I, didn't, I eventually did it with Jay right before he left. Uh, I liked Letterman. No, I was on there yeah, I liked times. Letterman. Yeah. Well, but, Letterman's from Indiana. Yeah. Yeah, he's, a, he's another guy, angry guy, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nothing's easy for Dave. No, he doesn't make it easy on himself. No. Well, I'll, t I'll tell you what his mother told me. His mother had dinner at my house one night yeah. before she died. And she goes, it's because of you that Dave went to L.A. And really? I, and I said, how's that? <laughs> and she goes, well, because Dave was doing a local t television uh -huh. show in Indianapolis, and I, my first record came out, and in Indiana, that was like a big thing, and he... And the, his mom said, "Yeah, Dave never told me this. His mom told me this. Yeah. That Dave said, if this kid can do it, I can do it. Oh, really? And he went to he went to <laughs> New York or wherever. You did it. I, yeah. That's, and he's always been so kind to me, Dave has. Yeah. I'm sure he thinks of you as like a... A, a, a kindred. A, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Another uh, Indiana guy. I'll tell you, though, honestly, that, that Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show is a big music fan. Loves it. Loves it. He loves music? He loves it. And he loves uh, he loves rock guys, and he, he I'm sure he loves you, and he gets really excited about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, he might be an excitable person. He's a very excitable person. That's his whole charm. It's that he's excitable. Yeah, he gets excited. Excitable yeah. boy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, I tell you, it was great talking. Yeah, I'm honored that I'm your first podcast, and uh, I'll put this on a post-it for you. Find someone that gets you and wear them down. Yeah. I'm exhausted. Uh, me too. <laughs> And the worst part about it, I think people are exhausted with us. No, they're not. Yeah. They, people don't know you. They, I, well, they, I mean, I mean the women that we go out with. Yes, it always happens, dude. Yeah. And like, the, like right now though, like I'm in a situation where I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going crazy. I'm like, I'm keeping some, you know, I'm keeping some boundaries. We're not fucking up each other's, you know. Where I'm just, the problem is, is like eventually because of insecurity. You know, you've decided this sort of situation, and then eventually you're going to be like, what, so what? You, you're over it? And then you start poking. And then you, they start going, no! And then, and then the tone changes. 
and then all of a sudden it's like no more fucking just fighting yeah and then someone's crying and then eventually they're exhausted and then and then they're sick of you and it's your fault and you're mean (laughs) and then you write a new record yeah and and they got a whole bunch of new material (laughs) all right buddy good i guess we're not going to change There you go. His crankiness does not seem as as uh, dug deep. It doesn't seem as deep as it probably once was. Sounds like it's kind of like he just holds on to it. Uh, the new record, Strictly a One-Eyed Jack, comes out tomorrow. Here's a little guitar. I'm having a good time playing full-on humbuckers on this Les Paul Custom straight through my uh, little Fender Champ. Cranked all the way. Cranked. Cranked. I got COVID. It's not cranked, though. It's being beat up inside me by the booster. The booster is kicking its butt. Guitar time. Fonda, cat angels everywhere.